You are listening to the Collective Church Podcast. Collective is a church for the rest of us, which means if you've never been to church, walked away from the church, or are struggling to find a church to connect with, you belong here. There are going to be a lot of great things going on this summer at Collective, so make sure you are following us on social media at My Collective Church to stay in the loop. Now let's get into Sunday's message. So there are two big things I want to share with you all today. Um, But before I share them, I just want you to know that as we talk about this idea of being all in and creating discomfort in order to see growth in our lives and in this church, this is not just about me challenging you, but it's about me being challenged as well. In fact, when planning for the summer, I had the idea for this series, but I was aggressively avoiding it. You can ask my staff. We didn't confirm that we were going to do All In until about two weeks before it started. And the reason why is because I feel like we constantly take risks at Collective. Like, we constantly try new things. We set big goals. There is a ton of challenge here in this church. But sometimes I want to coast and do what's easy. And so that was my plan this summer. I was like, I'm going to coast, and I'm going to do what's easy. And as we tried to do that, God slammed that door shut. So if I've learned anything over the past five years about God uh, through leading this church, is that whenever God pushes us to be uncomfortable, he's about to do something big. And so as a church and as a leadership, we're going to keep trusting him and keep digging ditches. And that's what these announcements today are all about. And so here's the first thing I want to share with you all. And this might seem small, but I'll explain why it's actually big. Over the past year and a half, we've been using digital connection cards for prayer requests and next steps. And this started because of COVID and going fully online. But when we moved into this building, we kept doing it because we wanted to eliminate touch points, which eventually the CDC was like, that's not a thing. You don't need to worry about that. And so after doing this for 18 months, we've realized two things. One, people hate QR codes. Right? You hate them. Like, you're like, this is, technology is so great. You hate it, okay? Um, but, but even more so, and more importantly, we've learned that we are getting less prayer requests than we've ever gotten before. And we don't like that. And so we're going to make a change. And so starting the Sunday after grocery store buyout, which is on October 14th, we are actually switching back. We're going old school. We're switching back to paper connection cards. Um, There will still be the digital option on the Church Center app, which we strongly suggest you download because there's more access to more things, but we will no longer use QR codes for connection cards. Uh, For those of you who have hated that from the start, you can clap if you want. It's okay. I'm not offended by it. I asked our leaders about it. I was like, who likes QR codes? And no one raised their hand. I was like, okay. That's what I thought. Some of you don't eat at restaurants because the menus are on QR codes right now. Right, And so the reason for this is because we want to make it easier for you guys to take next steps. And we want to make it easier for you to share your prayer requests with us. And we learned that digital isn't helping that. So that change is coming up in just a few months. Now, here's the next announcement. uh, And this one is huge. When we designed this space in the summer of 2022, we made decisions based on the size of pre-pandemic collective. And at the time, Collective was averaging about 50 kids a week. But when we moved into this building in March of 2021, we started averaging closer to 70 kids a week. Some of you really, really loved quarantine, right? Babies everywhere, more babies, people having two babies during a pandemic. It made no sense at all. But because of that, we realized very quickly that we were going to outgrow our Collective kids space within a few years. 
And so since moving in, we've been trying to figure out what next steps we need to take to give our kids more space. Then in January of this year, our landlord, St. John, offered us the two suites next door. And so for months, we've been going back and forth with them about things like cost and timing and design based on the county and parking. But then on Friday, we took a huge leap of faith and we signed a lease to add 6,000 square feet to our space, which will become bigger and better Collective Kids. Collective Kids volunteers are the ones that are (laughs) the most excited for this. Um, And so what this means is that our nursery will be twice as big because it needs to be twice as big um, because babies. Uh, It also means our K through fifth space, space is going to be twice as big. But the thing I'm most excited about is that there's going to be a new room designed just for fourth and fifth graders. And this is a huge deal because fourth and fifth graders are experiencing things that we experienced when we were in middle school. They're having conversations. They're being confronted with things that if we don't step up as a church, we'll be too late by the time they become middle school and high school students. On top of that, both of those spaces, K through fifth and fourth and fifth grade rooms, will actually flip during the week, which means Youth Collective will finally have a dedicated space for them during the week because that's growing as well. There's also some other things like uh, there's actually going to be a hallway on the other side of this wall that will lead to the back parking lot, which gives us access to those 60-plus parking spaces back there. Um, There's a future opportunity for us to expand the auditorium if we need to as well. But here's the crazy thing. Construction starts July 1st. And the plan is to open up in the fall. We'll be, we'll be open by early November. Listen, I'm not going to lie. Uh, this is an exciting and scary time for our church. It's exciting because we're growing. And it's exciting because we know that this world will be a better place if kids get to grow up in a church they love, hearing about the good news of Jesus. But it's scary because it's not going to be cheap. And the truth is, we have to step up as a church And so here's some of the details. We are not going to do a long-term capital campaign to raise the funds for this. Over the past five years, uh, me and the finance team, we've been saving 10% of every dollar that's been given to collectives so that we could do big things like this. And because so many of you have been generous for months and years, we can say yes and get this project started right away. But in order for us to complete this project, not completely wipe out our savings that allows us to say yes to big things in the future, we are gonna have to raise $75,000. And so here's what we're gonna do. On June 26th, which is Next Step Sunday, in just a few weeks, we're gonna collect a one-time special offering that will go to the expansion of Collective Kids. And we are challenging everyone that calls Collective their church home to give above and beyond their regular giving on that Sunday and to give boldly, to write a check or to go online and write an amount that makes you feel uncomfortable, right? makes you sweat a little bit. But let me just say this really quickly. If Collective isn't your church home, like if this is your first time here, your second time here, you don't need to be a part of this, right? This isn't for you. You don't know anything about this church. Hang out with us for a little while and then make a decision in the future. Also, if you think the church, and specifically our church, only cares about your money, right? Not you, but your money. I don't want you to give, right? I don't want you to feel any way about this. And so if you think that collective is a church that only cares about what you can put into that offering, don't do it, right? I think this is an incredible thing to be a part of. I think this is a worthy offering. But if you're going to feel some way about it, don't, don't do that to yourself. Don't, don't do that to us as well. But if this is your church, 
or if this is a place where you see God is doing something in your life or your kids' lives or the people you love lives, my challenge for you and for us is to take a risk. And so here are the logistics. There are two ways to participate. I would encourage you to take a picture of this. We're going to talk about this at the start of every sermon for the next few weeks as well. But the easiest way to participate in this will be to give online. You can do that through the Church Center app or through mycollective.church. There's a fund already created for All In because uh, as I was telling some people about it, they were already ready. They were so ready for this space uh, for, our, for our kids. If you're old school and you like paper on that day, you'll be able to write a check and you can put All In in the memo and drop it off at the offering baskets at the double doors on your way out. And the way that we're doing this is that we've actually set a goal of $50,000 on the weekend of June 26th and $75,000 by the end of summer. And so you can give one big gift on or around June 26th. You can give multiple times over the next few months. We'll officially close it on our birthday on September 18th. There's also a page set up called All In on the Church Center app or the Connect page if you want more information. There's actually a floor plan on there for those of you who care. A lot of you don't even care. You're just like... I serve in kids, and we need more space. But if you want to know floor plan, it's in there as well, so you can check that out. Now, every time we set goals at Collective, uh, I get nervous. And I tell you I'm nervous because I'm afraid we're going to fail to reach that, uh, to reach these goals. But every single time, you guys crush it. And then what happens is many of you in the lobby like to come up to me and tease me uh, that I need to stop freaking out about things, and specifically our goals, and have a little more faith. But this is no different. Like, I'm incredibly nervous about this. I know it's the right decision, but it's a big ask. And so what I'm going to do is I'm actually going to put myself on the line for this one. Like I said earlier, on September 18th, we're going to celebrate our fifth birthday as a church. It's going to be amazing. There'll be a food truck, cupcakes, games, all this crazy stuff. But we are also getting a dunk tank. Yep. So if we reach our 75,000 goal by that day, I will sit in that dunk tank and every single one of you can take your shot at dunking me because I made you uncomfortable by talking about money or because I underestimated you all. So if nothing else, you're like, I hate this guy, give to the fun so you can put me in a dunk tank, which legitimately is my nightmare. I have no desire to do any of that. I also... I've seen the way a lot of you throw, so I'm not overly concerned about that. So I'm just, listen, I'm just saying, prove me wrong. <laughs> um, so I'm, I'm sure you have questions. Um, so if you do have them, like, like I said, one of the things that we care about a lot here is transparency. So um, come talk to me about it. Right? Ask me all the questions. Next week, I'm going to start off the sermon by, by answering the top five questions that I'm being asked right now so that you guys feel like you are in the know and, and can fully be a part of this. Um, now, what I want to do right now is I want to pray, and I want to thank God for what he's doing in this church, um, and I also want to pray that we have boldness, as he very clearly asks us to take this risk. Um, and then what we're going to do is we're going to jump into this week of All In, where we are fittingly going to continue talking about giving. So will you all pray with me? God, thank you so much um, for good problems, for good tensions. Um, God, we, we know that as a church... Um, it is a blessing that there are kids here, uh, that there are students here, that there, there are people growing up in their faith, that there are parents bringing kids here and giving church a second chance. Um, God, it's a blessing uh, that we get to be a part of this. And God, I know it's easier sometimes to coast. Um, God, I know uh, all of us would rather kind of take the easy road, especially when things are so, so difficult. But God, we clearly feel you calling us to this next thing. And so God, we approach it with open hands. God, we approach it with an open heart. Um, God, we understand that it's risky and it's going to push on some of us and make us uncomfortable. Um, but God, I pray that three, four, five years down the road, 
um, as students who grow up in this church or grew up in this church are putting their faith in Jesus and, and, and serving and inviting their friends, God, I, I pray that the risk that we take this month and this summer is small compared to the blessing that, that we see. And so God, help us be bold. Help us take a risk. Um, God, make us uncomfortable. Um, but God, ultimately, help us grow our faith and our trust in you as we continue to see you show up in incredible ways in Frederick um, and in this church. God, thank you for what you're doing here. We love you and pray these things in your name. Amen. About a few years ago, I got a phone call from a number I didn't recognize. And I am one of those people where I screen every single one of my calls. You can ask my wife or my mom or my staff. If you call me, even if I know it's you, I won't answer it. I want you to leave a voicemail or text me so I can decide whether or not I'm going to call you back. And if you don't leave me a voicemail or text me, I won't call you back. Which, can we just talk about this for a second? Some of you are those people, right? So for those of you who call people and then don't leave messages, do you expect them to call you back just because they saw that you called? Like, I don't understand. Like, tell me what you want so I can decide whether or not to call you back, right? Emergency? Of course I'm going to call you back. You want to hang out? Didn't see the voicemail. Sorry. Like, give me the reason. And so I got this phone call from a North Carolina number, and for some reason this morning, I decided to answer it. And so I answered and said, hello? And they said, hi, may I please speak with Alyssa Bartlett or her husband? Now, Alyssa is my younger sister who is not married, so I knew something was up, and so I did what we all do, and I lied. Don't judge me. I repented of it later. Me and God are good. So I said, I'm sorry. I don't know who that is. Now, at this point, you know, I thought the call would end and, uh, you know, they would hang up and we'd go on our way. But it took a hard right turn when the person on the other line said, aren't I speaking to her brother, Michael? Right? <laughs> yeah. I started looking around my living room because, like, this is a horror movie. Like, the call is coming from inside the house. Like, and this is where I die. And so uh, I started to get a little aggressive back. If you know that I'm her brother, then you certainly know this isn't her number and that she isn't married. So if you want to tell me what this is about... Maybe I can help you. But then the person on the other line said, I'm sorry, but for privacy reasons, I can't tell you why we want to get a hold of her. And so I am not a patient person. Like, God didn't give me that gift. Like, I have very little patience. And at this point, it's gone. And so I say, listen, you can either tell me what this is about, or I can hang up. You get to decide. And then she quickly said, this is not a scam if that's what you are worried about. And so I responded back by saying, isn't that exactly what a scammer would say? And she said, well, yes, but this isn't a scam. And I was like, then tell me what it's about. And she said, I can't. So I hung up. Uh, a little later, I was talking to my sister about it, and it turns out that one of her school loans was sold, and they were trying to contact her about it, so it wasn't actually a scam, which student loans might be a scam, but that's a whole other conversation. But, but here's the deal, though. If this person on the other line just would have told me what they were calling about, if they just would have given me some clarity, just told me what the deal was, the conversation would have been so much easier. And when it comes to giving in the church, it feels a lot like this phone call, doesn't it? Like, this isn't a scam if that's what you are worried about. And because of that, whenever we talk about giving at Collective, my goal is transparency and challenge. And today is no different. Right now, we're in this series called All In, where we are focusing on the teachings of Paul that are found in the Bible. And the reason we are doing this series is because of the good news of Jesus. Paul wrote this to the church in Rome in Romans 5.8. He said, but God showed his great love for us 
by sending Christ to die for us while we were still sinners. And because we believe that is true, we want every single person to know about it. We want our friends and our family and our neighbors and our coworkers to know that there is a God who loves them so much that he gave up his own son to pay the debt that our sin creates so that we can experience grace, right? We can experience something better than we deserve. And so let me just say this really quickly. If you are new today, like if you're not a follower of Jesus or you're new to this church, here's what we want you to know more than anything else. God sees you, he loves you, and he will do anything he can to be connected to you. And so while today we're gonna talk a little bit more about giving, if you're not a follower of Jesus, this verse is what we want you to hold on to. You can ignore everything else I say from here on out. Just know that God loves you. And so this series is all about being challenged to go all in when it comes to our faith, to go all in when it comes to this church, to go all in when it comes to spreading the good news. And two weeks ago, I told you that I was going to make us uncomfortable. And today is when it gets really real, because we're talking about giving, because in order for us to be all in, generosity has to be included. And listen, I know that you hate it when churches talk about giving, right? It's the reason why we don't talk about it that much. We've talked about it a few times in a few years. We don't pass an offering after service and play the piano really loud so you feel manipulated into giving. Like, we don't do that here. But I know that you don't like when churches talk about it. And a few years ago, I would have said that I hated talking about giving, but the truth is I don't feel that way anymore. I honestly love teaching about this topic at Collective because you are a generous church. Check this out. Since we last talked about giving, 34 people and families gave for the first time to Collective, and 22 people and families set up recurring giving or increased their recurring giving, right? And so we know that this is a generous church, but even though every time I talk about giving, giving goes up, when we talk about it, I know there are people who, here who don't practice generosity, and I know there are probably others who are generous but aren't really all in and approach giving uh, to God and the church passively and inconsistently. In fact, I was spending time with another pastor this week uh, who's a friend of mine. We, we work on sermons together, and he's literally preaching on the same topic this week, and he shared this with me. He shared that one out of every five Bible-believing Christians did not give a penny to church or charity last year. And this includes one in 10 Christians who have a household income of over $100,000. He also told me that half of all Bible-believing Christians contribute less than 1% of their total income to giving. And he said that 43% of Christians under the age of 40 prefer to give when it feels right to them, which the truth is, when does it ever feel right, right? And so I get that many of you are hesitant when it comes to giving, but giving is a spiritual issue, and so we have to talk about it. Jesus says this in Matthew 6. He says, wherever your treasure is, there the desire of your hearts will also be. Right? And we get this. Just a few months ago, I got new shoes, right? White on white Nikes. They're still pretty white. Uh, but the first time I put them on, I knew it was a risk. I got two young kids. And so I put them on. We're getting ready for church. And I was heismaning my children out the door to make sure they didn't step on my shoes. I was stiff-arming my own child, right? Dad, I want a hug. No. Like, I'm not going to do this. These are no shoes. And, and here's what's crazy about this, right? I paid for these shoes with a Christmas gift. Right? Somebody else worked really hard and gave me cash at Christmas, and I bought these shoes. I didn't work hard for these, but I still stiff-armed my children out of the way because we know what Jesus says is true. When you put your money somewhere, whether it's given to you or you worked hard to get it, you care more about that thing. 
And so if our heart is for the gospel, if our heart is for other people hearing the good news of Jesus, if our heart is for kids growing up in faith, if our heart is for healing and hope and joy and grace, Jesus says that our money leads the way, not our heart, because our heart will follow. And so we have to get this right. And so God teaches us through scripture that the baseline of generosity is the tithe. It's 10%. And if you are a follower of Jesus, this is an expectation. And so I just want to get this out of the way up front. Uh, Here's the challenge for today. The challenge here is for everyone who calls Collective their church home to go all in when it comes to giving. And that's going to look different for each person. And remember, we don't compare ourselves to other people's all-in. Our all-in is different. For those of us who tithe, it means wrestling with the idea of increasing above 10% and continuing to trust God. Because the truth is, if you've been doing that for a while, it's not easy. And if you are someone who doesn't give or who doesn't tithe, the challenge is to increase giving or to set it up. And practically speaking, I'm going to show you how to do it, and then we're going to get into the, to the good stuff today. But this is how you give to Collective. Just like I said earlier with All In, it's the same thing. You head to our website, mycollective.church/give, or you download the Church Center app. It's really simple. And we don't talk about this all the time, so some of you are actually hearing this for the first time today. Um, we try to make it as easy as possible, and this is how you do it. But here's the thing. I can teach you all day long how to give. The question is, why would we do it? Right? Why do we trust God with our money? And so what we're going to do today is we're going to look at what Paul said to a church in Corinth, a church that's just like ours, about giving and why it matters. And so we're going to be in 2 Corinthians 9. This is what he says. We're going to start in verse 6. He wrote, remember this, whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, and whoever sows generously will also reap generously. And so here's the first thing that Paul teaches this church. Giving is a good investment. Now, you might be like me, and you don't know anything about farming or crop management, so let me break this down a little bit. What Paul is saying is that good farmers plant as many seeds as possible so they can receive the biggest harvest possible. No farmer would throw a few seeds onto the ground and expect the earth to return more than what they planted. And if a farmer, for some reason, skims on the sowing, he only cheats himself out of the harvest. It only hurts himself. And so giving is a good investment. You get a good return. This isn't crypto that dropped $1.14 trillion last month. Right? This isn't a volatile investment. And the truth is, it's not actually even a risk. And so Paul says that investing in God's kingdom is the best investment you can make. Think about it like this. Where else can you invest in saving marriages? Where else can you invest in endless second chances? Right? It's not the world. Cancel culture rules that. Where else can you invest to truly break addictions? Just a few weeks ago, one of the guys who serves on the Connections team shared with us that for seven years, he'd been trying to break his addiction. And during that time, he did everything right. right? Everything he told was right. He found a great sponsor. He went to every single meeting he could. He attended every single program available to him. And he kept failing. And then he told us this. That was when he decided to try Jesus And he showed up at Collective, and he's been sober for 17 months. Right? You can clap for him. It's great. And and he will tell you the thing that was missing from his life was Jesus. What other investment can you make to create space for kids to grow up in a healthy, life-giving community surrounded by adults who love them and want what's best for them, not test scores and the bottom line? For them. Someone sarcastically asked their preacher, 
If I don't tithe, will I go to hell? And the preacher thought for a moment and said, no, but someone else might. And that is not a reality in a lot of churches, but that is a reality for collective. Giving is a good investment. It is a life-changing, eternity-altering investment, and we reap what we sow. Paul continues in the next verse. He says, each of you should give what you've decided in your heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. In the Greek, that word cheerful is the word hilaros, which is where we get the word hilarious from. And I know what some of you are thinking. It's hilarious that this guy thinks I'm going to start giving. That's not what this is about, okay? It's this idea of joy to the point of laughter. And so here's the second reason we give. Giving brings joy. And Paul actually gives two conditions to joyful giving. Uh, One is that it's not guilt giving, right? You can't give joyfully if you're giving out of guilt. He says, you should give but not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. When we give out of guilt, that doesn't bring joy. My oldest daughter is in the first grade now, and she is super social, so this means she gets invited to birthday parties all the time. And because she's our oldest, Ray and I had no idea what we were getting into when our child went to school. Because here she is getting invited to a birthday, which which seems like every single weekend for kids we didn't even know existed. And she's like, I got invited to Will's birthday. I'm like, who the heck is Will? Oh, he's in my class. You've never talked about Will before. I have to go. And you're like, okay. So we end up buying gifts for kids that we don't know, like it's some sort of ticket into the party for our, our first grade daughter because the social environment is so strict there. Right? That's not fun giving. Like, we don't want to do that. We do that reluctantly. I'm okay with her not having friends. So, <laughs> But Paul says, don't give because you feel like you have to. And what he's doing is he's actually quoting the Old Testament. He's quoting Deuteronomy 15 that says, You shall give to him freely, and your heart shall not be grudging when you give to him. Because for this the Lord your God will bless you in all your work and all that you undertake. You see, in the Old Testament, giving reluctantly or under pressure was thought to actually cancel out the benefit that someone could receive of the gift that was given. So it didn't matter how amazing or intentional or generous a gift was. If the gift was given begrudgingly, the benefit of that gift was negated. Ultimately, gifts given under pressure or some external pressure were half-hearted at best. CT talked about this last week when he talked about emotional manipulation and using guilt to motivate you. Even Paul says, don't let that be the reason you give. So again, if you feel that way today, don't do it. Right? It's actually not what God wants you to do if that's the reason why you give. The second condition that Paul gives when it comes to joyful giving is this. Each of you should give what you have decided in your heart to give. The other way you make giving joyful is that you intentionally decide what you give, right? It's not someone else telling you what to do. It's not me telling you what to do. That's not my job. Now, I've heard some Christian people manipulate this verse by saying, well, I felt guilted into tithing, so God wouldn't want me to do it, so I can't specifically give cheerfully, therefore I'm not going to do it. But that's just twisting scripture to fit our agenda. And we know this by reading the Bible, that God uses guilt. God uses our conscience to lead us sometimes. And so what Paul is saying is that this is between you and God. Right? It's not just between you and you. If it's between you and you, you're not going to do it. The reality is that God is pushing us, and he's telling us that we're going to be uncomfortable sometimes in our faith, and that's okay. But there are too many Christians who think that Jesus is only going to tell us to do comfortable things. And when that's the case, it's not that Jesus is being our Lord. 
is that we are being our Lord. And so for giving to bring joy, you must, must decide through the guidance of God what you're going to give. And when you give in that way, it brings joy. In fact, if you go back to verse 6, the joy comes from the harvest. The best example of this at Collective is baptism. Whenever you see someone get up out of the water, you should think there is so much joy in being a part of this. Right? Anytime we celebrate somebody, there's joy. Every baptism, every church we help start, every community engagement project that we do, I hope for you, you think, this brings me great joy. Paul continues in verse 8, and God is able to bless you abundantly so that in all things at all times, having all that you need, you will abound in every good work. So here's the third thing he teaches that church. Giving grows our faith. Giving forces us to rely more on God because we have less. It forces us to trust him to give us all that we need. It forces us to be thankful for the way that he's blessed us, and it creates opportunities for us to do more good work. Now, I don't like talking a lot how, about how if you give, God blesses you, because those verses have been abused and twisted and manipulated for a very long time. So I want to be really clear about this. This isn't prosperity gospel. This isn't you give money to God, he gives you money back. Right? That's not the way it works. But Paul does say that when we are generous, God will bless us so that we have all that we need. And that's really important. So let me give a few qualifiers for this. Uh, God's rewards aren't always material. Sometimes the blessing we receive is friendship. Sometimes it's purpose. It might be a fruit of the Spirit. We might grow in kindness or peace. It could be healing or wisdom or perseverance. And so if you get something good in your life, it is a gift from God, but don't limit that to a new pool or a nicer house because that might not be what you truly need. It's not about what we want. It's about what we need. Another qualifier for that is that God's rewards are rarely immediate. When we give, sometimes it's years later that we see how God has blessed us. The truth is sometimes it's just simply eternity with God. My friend Carl said it best, we don't give to get, but when we give, we do receive. When we trust God, it grows our faith. That is one of the things that we receive when we're generous. Then skipping ahead a few verses, Paul says this, this service that you perform is not only supplying the needs of the Lord's people, but is also overflowing in many expressions of thanks to God. Because of the service by which you have proved yourselves, others will praise God for the obedience that accompanies your confession of the gospel of Christ, the good news of Christ, and for your generosity in sharing with them and with everyone else. So here's the last thing I want to point out that Paul shares with this church. Giving changes lives. Right? Giving is about impacting other people. Giving is about making a difference in your church and in your community. Giving is about others. He says to this church, when you give, other people will praise God. Other people will hear the good news because giving changes lives. When starting Collective, uh, one of the things that we had to do was fundraise. And so I sent out hundreds of letters to every single person I'd ever met I sat down with any church that would give me a meeting. I even bought a collared shirt to make myself more presentable. I do own one collared shirt. It's in my closet. Um, because we knew that in order for Collective to launch well, 
we needed to raise about $500,000 over the period that would be our pre-launch and the first year-ish of our church. And when I sat down with people to try and encourage them to give, I talked about you. I didn't know you yet, but I talked about the fact that our goal was to start a church for people who are far from God, to start a church where people could be in a community where they belong, to start a church that would actually make an impact on the city that it was in, to start a church where people could find hope again, to start a church where people could experience grace and restoration and life change, to start a church where people could be real about their brokenness and what God was doing in their lives. And the first person I sat down with was a friend of mine named Edward. As weird as this is, it's actually his son jumping off all those cliffs in our bumper video. I knew he was when he was a teenager, and uh, he does that, that stuff for, for a job. Uh, but I sat down with Edward at a Qdoba, and I shared with him about Collective before we actually knew this church would be called Collective. And before I could even ask him to support us financially, he told me that a check was already in the mail. He sent it before we ever sat down for lunch. Because the thing was, it wasn't about me, and it wasn't about Edward. It was about you, or the idea of you. And later that day, I opened an envelope with our first check ever for Collective Church, and it had $10,000 in it. And today, I like to remind everyone, including Edward, who gave to this young punk church planter that them choosing to trust God, not me, but God, has literally changed lives. So when Paul says generosity brings the praising of God, we know this is true because we see it here every single week. Right? We know that generosity leads to life change. We know that generosity leads to the good news being heard. We know generosity leads to healing and hope and purpose and grace. And because of that, we go all in because we want to see that in our lives and lives of people we love, we choose generosity because other people seven years ago, six years ago, five years ago, who had no idea what the outcome would be, chose generosity. They created a way for God to bless this church, and we want to keep that going. Let's pray. God, there's no topic that we hate more <laughs> in the church than giving. Um, God, we, we, don't, we don't want to talk about our money. We don't want to talk about it in church. We don't want to talk about it with our friends. Um, we don't want to talk about it with the government. Um, and God, so when we talk about it, there's this discomfort that we have. Um, and God, I know that there are people here that, that grew up in the church or started going to church, and um, they went to churches that really felt like the only value that they would bring to the table is how much they could give. But God, I'm so thankful that we read what Paul wrote as he talks to a church. He says, it's not about guilt. It's not about uh, prestige. It's not about any of those things. It's about investing in, in God's kingdom and life change. And so God, as we read this, I pray that we wrestle with this idea that giving isn't just for the sake of attendance or going to church. It's, it's about what you can do with a little. God, it's about the lives that you can change. And so as we approach this next season, God, as we approach giving, as we approach um, special offering, God, um, we are all very uncomfortable. But God, I pray that we lean in. God, I pray that we trust you. Um, I pray that we try this new thing. 
And God, ultimately, I pray that we see your blessings. God, understanding that it might not be financial, but it could be relationships. It could be peace. It could be community. It could be healing. It could be a better marriage. It could be kids growing up in the faith and not walking away. God, give us the eyes to see that and the heart to feel that. God, thank you so much um, for the people seven years ago that wrote checks so this church could start. God, I know that my life is different. God, and I know that it's impacting the lives of others, and we are so thankful for that. God, we love you and pray this in your name. Amen.